Today we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of all the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether, then, it is I or they, this is what we preach. For this is what you believed. Oh, good morning. I know there's a few of you watching online who have no idea who I am. Uh, and so that's probably because you've been joining us since we started this current lockdown. So uh, welcome. I'm James. I'm the student minister here at Central Villages. Uh, for our regulars, uh, I miss seeing all your friendly faces. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all hopefully uh, very soon. I think that... Every 20 or so years, uh, there's an event that defines a generation. A moment in time that you can probably recall uh, where you were as it happened when it changed the course of history. Now, for my generation, I think that's probably the events that occurred exactly 20 years ago, um, uh, which were the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center in New York, uh, the Pentagon, and a plane en route to Washington. And for people a little older than me, uh, the event might be the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, or the crew of Apollo 11, landing on the moon uh, 20 years before that, uh, and even going back further, uh, perhaps the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan that led to the end of World War II. And I reckon the current story of our current pandemic will be the one that defines the current and future generation. These events and the stories that make them memorable create ripples around the world. Some of these events have lasting legacies that shape uh, the world well beyond their single date in history. Each event creates memories that are talked about for years and years by the people who witnessed them. And eventually, these events and stories fade into the past. They impact the clients as time passes and the world moves along. We celebrate the first few anniversaries, but then the 10-year anniversary and maybe the 20-year anniversary like we're doing with the World Trade Center attacks today. But very rarely do we stop all around the world and remember a single moment in time where a single event shaped the course of history. And today we'll be looking at a story too, but it's unlike any of these generation-defining stories. The story from our passage today is a peak of the entire letter to, one, to the 1 Corinthians. Everything that we've looked at over the past 10 or so weeks is shaped by it. And our story today is the most significant moment in history for the Corinthians, for Paul, and the entire world. It's a story that 2,000 years on still has an impact for our world today. And the entire movement of Christianity which we here at Central Villages are a part of, stands or falls on this true story that was written about so long ago. What we read in this part of Corinthians 
It's God's good news story for us. Now, you might be watching and thinking, boring, I've heard this story thousands of times. But today, we're going to, look, we're going to look at a fresh, take a fresh look at three reasons why this story is not just any other story from history. Three reasons why this story is unique and is still important for us today. So, the first reason the gospel story is unique is also why our passage says it's, it was passed on to the Corinthians as the most important thing that Paul could tell them. That it's a story about Jesus. Do you see how many times Jesus is referenced in verses 3 to 8? In just, in just five short verses, it mentions Jesus seven times. And sure, that's a lot of references, but it's not the only thing that makes this story unique. We're also reminded that all of the Bible points us to Jesus. Take a look at verses 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Most of the big stories of history that you might be able to think of probably couldn't have been predicted, or at the very least might have been in the realm of fantasy. I bet that 500 years ago, no one would have honestly believed that we would ever send someone into space, let alone put boots on the moon. But the story of Jesus was predicted generations before he was born. And we have those predictions recorded for us in the Bible. So the story of Jesus was predicted. But, that, but what is this story about Jesus and what's, what makes it so unique? Well, there's lots of details about Jesus in the Bible, but we're given the three most important points in our passage today. That Christ died, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, or even just heard this gospel story before, it's pretty easy to let this wash over you, right? But I think it's, a, it's good to take a step back and actually reflect on the story. By anyone's standards, it's crazy that someone died and came back to life. The story of Jesus' death, recorded in John's retelling, gives us pretty graphic detail of how dead Jesus actually was. But here in 1 Corinthians, we're reminded of the fact that he was buried for three days, probably just to help us realize that Jesus was actually well and truly dead, which makes his resurrection even more remarkable. So the story about Jesus is unique because it couldn't happen to anyone else. No one else could die, be dead for three days, and come back to life on their own steam. It's just not physically possible. It's a crazy story, and so it's easy for us to forget how crazy it actually is, how unique it is, and how it's so different from any other story in history. Any other story that made claims like the gospel does about Jesus simply couldn't be true. That would be a work of fantasy or fiction, but the gospel story is true. Now, if you're watching this morning and not yet a Christian, then welcome. Thanks for watching. Um, we hope you find this morning really helpful. I mentioned that Paul, the guy who wrote this summary, was thinking of people like you when he composed this letter to the ancient people in Corinth. 2,000 years ago, when this text was written, and still today, people find the story of Jesus hard to believe. How can it possibly be true? Am I crazy to believe this crazy story about this guy who claims to be the son of God, who died and rose again? Stacks of people say, show me the risen, risen Jesus and then I will believe. But see the length that Paul goes to in backing up this crazy story about Jesus. He pulls in the names of eyewitnesses who could testify to seeing Jesus after his death and resurrection. Cephas, then the 12 apostles, then 500 people, 
then to James, who was a brother of Jesus and the leader of the church in Jerusalem, then to more people, and finally to Paul himself. The claims of the story about Jesus are really crazy by our standards, but we're shown here that, the, that stacks of people actually saw Jesus in the flesh after the resurrection. The people in Corinth would have been able to go and track down some of these, some of these eyewitnesses to, and ask them about what they actually saw. If their stories didn't line up, it's unlikely that the ancient text that Paul wrote that we have today would have survived because it just would have been laughed out of town. If you're someone who has questions about the story of Jesus, then get in touch. Uh, we'd really love to hear from you and point you in the direction of some good resources. When I was a baby Christian trying to search for answers on the reliability um, and accuracy of the Bible, one particularly helpful resource for me was a book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Um, I've read this a couple of times now, um, and you'll be able to find it for sale online. Uh, and if you've got those kind of questions, it's a great place to start. So, we've seen that the gospel is firstly a story about Jesus, and that there's good reason to believe that it's true. The second reason why the gospel isn't just another plain old story from history is that it's a story for everyone. There's one thing that links every single person of the, um, to the story of the gospel. See what Paul writes in verse 3, that he passed on the Corinthians as first importance, that Christ died for our sins. The gospel story is unique, not just because it's for everyone. There's lots of stories that could be written for everyone, but the gospel story is for everyone because everyone is sinful. All the times we say something we shouldn't, or hurt another person, or get angry and fill with rage when we don't have the right to be, or when we do something good that we should, sorry, we don't do something good that we should have done, are all examples of our sin. In our world, sin looks like the tension that humans experience between each other and between our world. It looks like conflict, both on a tiny scale between people and on a much bigger scale between nations. The effects of sin show in the way our world is decaying, like when our cells mutate in the way they shouldn't, causing cancer, uh, when things break because we do something silly or do something not in line with how God designed our world to operate. These are all signs that sin is a part of our world. But sin has another component too, doesn't it? All these examples that I've just mentioned are horizontal components between us and the world around us. But sin also angers God, who designed our world perfectly for us to live in. In our vertical sin against God, we reject him and want to be the ruler over our own tiny little world, living by our own rules. We think our way is better than the one that God has laid out for us in the Bible, but end up causing harm and destruction. And because we're sinful, sinning against each other and ultimately against God, we needed a way to escape eternal death and separation from God, which is a punishment for our sin. And the gospel provides that escape route. It's a story that applies to every single person who will ever live. Jesus didn't just die for nothing or for no one. No, he died so that he could take the heavy weight of our sin. Jesus died so that we could be made right with his Father, the creator of all things, even though we rebel against him day after day after day. And whilst we keep sinning, Jesus' perfect life and innocent death on the cross turns away God's righteous anger for our rebellion. Jesus stood in the place that we should stand in when we die. He allowed for the debt we owe to God caused by our sin to be paid and secured all of this 
through his victory over death when he came out of the tomb alive. The story of the gospel is a true story about Jesus. It's a story for everyone because we need Jesus' death to take the punishment for our sin. If you feel the burden of sin in your life, our passage today reminds us that Jesus lifts that burden for you by his death and resurrection. Sin will continue to affect our world, but with Jesus alongside us, we can know that God is in control because his promises about Jesus came true and that we can trust that his promises for his people, us, the church, will hold true too. And trusting God's promises takes us to our third and final reason why the gospel story is unique. The gospel isn't just another story. It's the ultimate story of redemption and restoration. Now, I know that for many of us, we've picked up um, hobbies during the last 18 months uh, through the on and off lockdowns. Uh, more recently, I've taken up to um, try and repair and, re um, and restore some furniture. And so I know that many of you watching have tried to sit on the chair on the left of your screens when we've had gatherings at our home. Um, and I know that many of you have feared that that chair was falling apart. Well, fear no more. Uh, with a few more hours of work, that chair, which is currently in a fetal position on, on our backyard, uh, we'll be pick, which we'd picked up um, off the side of the road, will be sturdy and ready to, for use once again with a few more screws and some more paint. Or take the chest of drawers on the right that Fee and I also picked up and rescued from council cleanup. And we've taken the handles off, uh, fixed up some very wonky drawers, glued some parts back together, given the whole thing a sandbag, and it's starting to come back together. But these repair jobs I'm doing are taking something that is salvageable, something that has potential, and just making it better again. But that's not how Paul describes himself, is it? He writes, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Paul was in need of more than just a lick of paint. Paul had a history of approving the murder of Christians. We get introduced to him, to him in the book of Acts when we read about the brutal stoning of Stephen, who was the first person to be killed for being a Christian. In anyone's book, Paul will be right at the top of the list of someone unworthy of God's forgiveness, so unworthy of his place among the people of God. He was known for his terrible treatment of Christians that after uh, his miraculous conversion, people who knew his re reputation were really sus and started asking questions like this one from Acts chapter 9. Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, his, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Anyone who knew Paul's background would have written him off as completely and utterly broken. But the story of the gospel is one that takes truly broken people, beyond, uh, people beyond repair from our human vantage point, and gives them a fresh start. It's not a story like my furniture repairs, where I'm mostly just fixing a couple of screws and giving a lick of paint to make it look new again. No, as, a gospel, as we've seen, the gospel gives us the opportunity for our sin to be wiped from our account, to be rescued from separation from God back to a living in relationship with the one who loves us, no matter who we are and no matter what we've done like Paul in the past. This unique and ultimate story of redemption is only possible through God working in us to empower us to live more like Jesus. And we, and we can expect that God will be changing us. And we can see that in what Paul writes in verse 10. He writes, His grace to me was not without effect. 
if you and I look to the unique story of Jesus, death and resurrection, and bring our sin before God in repentance, which is saying sorry for our rebellion against God, he will work in our lives to transform us and save us from eternal life without him. So, if the gospel is a unique and true story about Jesus, a story for everyone, and a story that provides us the ultimate redemption that we need, then we need to hold on to it. Back in 2019, my wife Fiona and I were able to visit Yosemite National Park in California, an amazingly beautiful, beautiful place, and a real highlight of our trip. But weirdly, we found it was so easy to forget the enormity of the park around us. We'd go inside uh, a, a building for a meal, and then when we'd come out, every single time, we'd be blown away about, by the huge size of the, and beauty of the cliffs that line the valley. We'd forgotten how magnificent El Capitan was, how beautiful the waterfalls were, and how strange it was to see trees growing on tiny little ledges in the granite rock shelf. We'd turn another corner and come out of the woods into a big meadow and see how amazing it was all over again. And I think it's easy for us to forget how amazing the gospel is too, or perhaps just to push it aside. But Paul encourages us to do the opposite. Verse 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. I think there's lots of reasons why we might forget or ignore the gospel. We live in a world where the very nature of truth and historical accuracy is more and more up for grabs. We attempted to deny parts of the gospel narrative or the whole story altogether. We're pulled away to believe other good news stories that might sound like the story of Jesus or might sound as good as the gospel, but actually don't give us anything firm to stand on. At the peak of this letter to the Corinthians, Paul reminds us of the truth of the gospel story and encourages us to stick with it, to embrace it, to never let it go. If we don't hold on to the story of the gospel and keep reminding ourselves of it each day, we'll slip down the slide of forgetting how important it is to our lives. When we fail to love others, we'll beat ourselves up rather than asking for forgiveness. When we commit sin against someone, we'll tend to shift the blame rather than humbly repenting before the other person and before God. If we begin to think we're not good enough to be in the community with God and his people, we're forgetting that Jesus' blood covers our failings and unites us as a spiritual family that we've learned about um, over the past few weeks as we looked at the book of 1 Corinthians. And holding firmly to the core of the gospel has impacts for how we operate uh, as a church as well. So uh, for Father's Day last Sunday, my little boy Samuel got me the book Spot Loves His Dad. And it's warmed my heart when we've read it together on the couch at home. Um, and even more when he picks it up off the floor and brings it over to me to read to him. Uh, another book we've been reading recently is a book to learn some Japanese vocab, and we're both learning lots of new words. But as much as Sammy loves uh, having Spot Loves His Dad read to him, and both of us learning new words together at the moment, I know there will be a day when he grows out of wanting to read them with me, which is honestly quite sad, and he'll move to bigger books with less pictures and more words. But the gospel isn't something we grow out of, is it? We don't wake up one day and think, you know what, I'm a Christian now, or I've been perhaps a Christian for a long time. I don't need this gospel story anymore. 
And the gospel isn't just, one of the, uh, isn't just for those who can read the translation we're reading today, is it? No, because the gospel is true for everyone and the ultimate good news story, it's a story for people of every age, of every background, for, of every country, in every generation. That's why at Central Villages we invest in ministry for everyone, because we don't grow out of the gospel and because the gospel is such good news that everyone needs. We do church week in and week out. We host kids' church and bounce and youth group. We run small groups where we can ask and discuss difficult questions. Organize central nights for young adults. Raise up leaders like Nick with the hope of supporting gospel work in the country. And send and support missionaries to bring the gospel to people around the world. And that's why this month we're asking the members of our church to commit to getting involved in both serving and giving to the mission of the gospel. I hope that today you've been reminded of how extraordinary the, the story of the gospel is. That it's not just another good news story that's recorded for us in history books to look at from time to time. That it's not just a story of an event that fades into the background of our memories. It's an extraordinary story because it's unique. Because it's about Jesus' real death and real resurrection for our sin. Because it's a story for everyone, no matter who you are because it's a story of epic redemption and restoration to the creator of the universe. It's a story that will make profound impact in your life if you turn to Jesus. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, we thank you for, uh, for Jesus. We thank you that we, we, can, we can know through historical record that uh, Jesus' death and resurrection for our sin uh, really happened, that it is a true story. We do thank you for Jesus' death for every one of our sins, for every single person. Redeeming everyone who turns to you, no matter who they are, the sin they've committed, uh, what they think of themselves. Uh, we know that uh, before uh, you, we stand blameless because of Jesus' death. We ask that you would help us to hold firm to the gospel, to never forget it, to keep uh, feeding on it day and day and day so that it renews and changes us to be more like Christ. Lord, we pray for people who are watching right now who are not Christian yet. Um, please be working in their lives to bring them to you. We pray that as a mission of our, of our church, that as we uh, do our weekly activities, as we run programs, that as we do everything here at Central Villages, that uh, your gospel will be the center of everything we do and that your gospel would go forth from this place, from our church, um, for, to, to the villages, uh, to the nations, and to every single person who needs the good news of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen.